In Jesus' name we pray all this. Amen. Well, before I get started, let me just say, uh, as we open the service today with holy, 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 you know, my wife's an organist, not a and she's a pianist too, but but she plays an actual organ, which you know, so many churches don't have organs now. Uh, so we're a little traditional in, in in how we worship, but we also love the new contemporary songs. So we just kind of love it all. Uh, but I'm glad to see that you started with one of the old good hymns. But I got to tell you a short story about Holy, Holy, Holy. Uh, my son went to Azusa Pacific University on a baseball scholarship down in Southern California, great Christian school. And his second or third year there. He auditioned for and joined the men's chorale. Now, Zuza's got a very strong music program, and he ended up in a men's chorale of 100 college men. In the fall time frame, I went to be the Veterans Day speaker at Zuza, and they asked me to come in uniform. So I'm all decked out in my three-star uniform with, you know, looking like a military man. And uh, and after the ceremony, it was time for back to classes, and it was time for corral practice. So Richie, my son, says, "Dad, you come. You got to come here. The corral practice. The professor, doctor, he lets lets parents come in sometimes. So uh, so I sneak in the back. Well, it's hard to sneak in when you got a three star uniform on. <laughs> so as soon as I walk in, and they're doing little warm ups." And the, and the director sees me. He knows I'm coming. Richie's warned him. And then after a little warm-up time, he says, General, come sit right here in the middle of the room. And it's a pretty good-sized room where they, where they practice. Not quite this big, but close. He, all the guys stand up. They go to the circle of the room. And he puts me in a center chair right in the very center. And a pianist hits one note. And they start out singing, holy, holy, holy. It starts in unison. Very soft. 100 male voices. And then it slowly builds and goes into two-part harmony. Then four-part harmony. And I think eventually eight-part. And they build and crescendo. I mean, I'm sitting in the middle of this, crying like a baby. In uniform as a three-star general. I mean, you know, there's something wrong with that picture. (laughs) So, as I heard holy, holy, holy this morning, that immediately, that memory came back of what a powerful song, what a God we have. I'm, I'm, I'm glad uh, I heard the introduction about uh, going to hear Frank and Graham. Uh, that's going to be a powerful thing, and, it, and he is continuing the legacy that his father started. I've got to tell you, in 1959, I was 11 years old. My dad was a preacher in Fresno, California, and he was head of the ministerial alliance of the churches there in Fresno. And Billy Graham was coming to do a crusade. And they, been, in those days, Billy would come, and he'd come in on a Sunday, and he would preach Monday through Friday. I, I think it was in the Bulldog Stadium, the Fresno State Stadium, and everybody comes out, and you've either been a part of or seen the, the, the pictures of the crusades and it's a wonderful event. It's important the churches be involved because, in fact, Billy Graham insisted the churches be involved because he couldn't be there to do the follow-up. It's one thing to have an emotional moment and have someone come forward for Christ. But where's the follow-up? We can't just 
bring a person to Christ and then, and then and leave them alone. So the church involvement was critical. So dad, as the head of the ministerial alliance, was very involved with the planning and the setup. And it turns out that Billy Graham loves to play golf. So as he arrives on Sunday, dad has set up a Monday morning golf game for my dad, another pastor, Billy Graham, and George Beverly Shea. You remember him? The, the powerful bass singer that would go around. Well, he let, dad let me skip school that day, and I was Billy Graham's caddy. That's my claim to fame with Billy Graham. And I gotta tell you, Billy Graham's the real deal. He was in person, what he is on camera, what he is on stage. He's not a show. He's not just when the camera's on, the smile's on, and he looks godly and behind the scenes. He is the real deal. And his son Franklin is the same. So you need to be there on March, was it 30th? And you need to be a part of a revival that we need to have in this country. That's really what I want to speak about today. I want to speak about our country. And I want to speak about being at war. You heard Bob say, I understand a little bit about warfare. I spent my first year of my Air Force career after pilot training in combat. RJ and I have shared some combat stories. We're both Vietnam vets. Uh, mine's not quite as heroic as his. He wouldn't say that. Because he would just say, as I would, I was trained, I did my job. It's not, it has nothing to do about bravery or heroism. It's just, I'm trained to do, do the mission I was given. It's really all about the people you serve with. That's what it's really all about. And serving your country. Having a knowledge that you have salvation, that you have the grace of Jesus Christ, I'll guarantee it helps you serve better, especially in the face of combat in an enemy. So I understand what combat is. We are a nation that's kind of been at war in Afghanistan, in Iraq. You understand and feel that because you're a Navy town. You've got men and women that serve probably right here in the congregation and our families of, and they're right out your back door. So you know what I'm speaking of when it talks about men and women going into combat. But I really want to then talk about Ephesians chapter 6. I talked about chapter 5 last night when we were talking about marriage. That's its own form of combat. <laughs> no, it shouldn't be. But chapter 6, Paul goes into... Especially starting with verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord in the strength of His might. Put on the full armor of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. See, our real battle here on earth is with Satan. My pastor back in our church is doing a series right now on prayer. And, he, and three things he's emphasizing is, is we have a battle against Satan, against the world that we live in, and our 
own sinful self. That's kind of the three enemies that we fight almost daily. Satan's at the lead of that, and that's what Paul's talking about here. It's not really a flesh and blood battle. We're not talking about what's happening in Iraq or Afghanistan. We're talking about what's happening right here in America. We're in a fight for the soul of our nation right now. Dr. Bill Bright, who started the ministry Campus Crusade for Christ. I've served on two different boards, my wife and I, on two different boards of various ministries under Campus Crusade. It's a tremendous overarching ministry that that Dr. Bright and Vonette personally started back in like 1952. I gotta tell you a short story. He he actually entered seminary in 1947 at Fuller Seminary in Pasadena. He spent two years there, decided to drop out of seminary because he thought he would be more effective as a lay person than as a ordained pastor. I think Dr. Bright was pretty effective when you look at the ministries he started. I was a participant in one of those ministries right in the Pentagon. I was there as a two-star in, in 98, 99. I was there again in 2001, 2, and 3, and 4 as a three-star. And I was a part of a Bible study on Wednesday mornings that met at 6 o'clock of admirals and generals. Most Americans don't even know about that. But we would meet for an hour from 6 to 7. Most meetings in the Pentagon start somewhere around 7, 7.30, and then it's just an all-day combat zone. <laughs> the Pentagon is a very difficult place. But on Wednesday mornings at 6 o'clock, admirals and generals, we called it Flag Officer Fellowship. And we met under the auspices of Christian Embassy, which is a ministry under Campus Crusade. And there we would get fed. That's where we would help us through the toils of working in the Pentagon. And we would have fellowship with fellow flag officers of all services as we'd study the Word. Yes, Bible studies in the Pentagon. That same ministry held Bible studies in the White House and at Congress, Senate and the House, for principals as well as staffers. In the embassies for ambassadors as well as attaches. I should say did, because at this time right now, they're not allowed in the White House. They were during the Bush administration, but not today. That'll change. So there is a war going on. There's a war going on within our nation. Dr. Bright wrote a book called Red Sky in the Morning. He wrote it back in 1998, well before 911 occurred. But in that book, he talks about the foundings of America, what our forefathers, what they stood for, who were they. You know that 52 of the 55 signers of the Declaration of Independence were confirmed Christian men, believers in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. 27 of them were actually ordained seminary grads. These founders of our nation understood the Judeo-Christian principles that our nation was founded upon that we have seen eroded over the last 40, 50, 60 years. 
That's what Dr. Bright talks about. Red sky in the morning. Christ talked about it in the, in the scripture where he told his disciples, you can see, you can read the skies. You, you, you know what's happening, but you can't see what's happening right in front of your face. You don't even see that I am the Lord and Savior. It applies to us today in America. We need to see what is happening to our country. And we need to have a revival to fix it. Because it's a spiritual warfare. So how do we fix that? Paul tells us how. He tells us right here in this passage as we go on with verse 13. Therefore, take up the full armor of God. you got to put on the armor if you're in battle. I don't know any soldier, sailor, airman, marine that doesn't suit up when he goes into combat. He's not going to go in naked. He's not going to go in in plain clothes. He's putting on the armor. So as believers... In a spiritual war that's going on today, we need to put on the armor. What is that armor we put on? Therefore, take up the full armor of God so you'll be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with the truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all taking up the shield of faith, which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Well, we believe, theologians believe Paul was probably in prison. Probably in prison in Rome. Remember he was, he was under house arrest in Caesarea at one point. But then he actually, when he went to Rome, he was in prison before he was eventually uh, martyred. So we believe he probably wrote this epistle to the Ephesians. It's, it's kind of called the prison epistles, a, a number of the letters. So what he's in, and he's, every day he's looking, most likely, at a Roman soldier. And standing out guarding his, and this is what, this is the picture he sees every day. So then, he writes to the people of Ephesus and to the other churches, because the letter likely went to all the churches, and it goes to us today. He writes and describes this armor that he, as he sees this Roman soldier in front of him, and he equates the soldier's armor to the armor we put on as believers in Jesus Christ. So we have this description. Let me put it in today's terms. Let me put it into Fallon terms. If I had, I'd had, I'd have a naval aviator standing up here right now. And we're going to dress that naval aviator. We're going to dress him in how he goes into combat just like we would in a spiritual battle. First, he's got to put on his flight suit. Because the flight suit is made of Nomex, and it, it's fire-resistant, along with the gloves. See, that flight suit is very similar to the shield of faith. But extinguishes all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So our naval aviator wouldn't pretend to get in a cockpit without first having his flight suit on. And then he's got to have his boots. 
Would you ever go fly? Would you go to combat, RJ? Would you go fight without, without your boots on? That's, that's your, that's your stable. You gotta stand firm. What did Paul say? The boots represent shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In fact, it's the gospel message that is our foundation that gives us the peace that passes all understanding. The peace that enables us to know I'm in God's hands. Man can't strike me. Have you seen the movie uh, Risen? It's just come out. I don't know if it's made it to Fallon yet. When it comes, you need to see it. It's a powerful movie. I, th- I got to tell you, ladies, the first few scenes, my wife didn't go see it because she'd seen some previews and it was kind of, there's a lot of combat, a lot of fighting and killing and this. she just doesn't like that. So not quite as bad as Saving Private Ryan. If you saw that movie, remember the first 20 minutes was, wow. So Risen's not, but the first little bit is, is the Romans attacking some Hebrews. But you get past that and you get to the real story. The story of the resurrection of Christ. I won't tell you the whole story, but it's a powerful story. Because it's told from the viewpoint of a Roman legionnaire, a tribune. One above the centurion. It's his story told of the resurrection, the rising of Christ. In it, you'll see many Roman soldiers. You'll see them dressed up like Paul has described. So our naval aviator, he's going to have on his flight suit. He's going to have certainly have on his flying boots. I wouldn't go get in a cockpit. With sandals on. From there I got to put on the G suit. Because I'm going to pull some G's in this cockpit. I flew the F-16. It's a 9G airplane. My body cannot withstand 9G's without the, the help of the equipment. The G suit. Gird your loins with the truth. So as I gird my loins and my legs with that G suit it, Paul's talking about it's the truth that we gird ourselves with. What is the truth? Christ told us what the truth is, didn't he? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. We have the truth. Christ is the truth. And as we study his word, as we read his word, as we apply what he has told us, we will know the truth. And the truth will set us free. Well, then you got to, you got to protect your, your breastplate. Paul talks about it as the uh, breastplate of righteousness. He's watching that soldier. If you see the movie Risen, every one of those, the soldiers, the centurion, the legionnaire, Every time they get dressed, they put on some sort of protective cover over their chest. We might today call that a, a, a armor vest. Uh, the fighter pilot to get in his cockpit, he's going to put on his combat vest. Because that combat vest, it's got all the survival equipment he needs if he has to jump out. It's got the communication, the radios and the flares and the, 
And those are going to be needed in a survival situation. So you would never go into combat without, without your vest on. Well, then we come to the helmet of salvation. It's salvation that really sets us apart. The understanding and the knowledge that we have been saved. We've been saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. Not by our own works, but by our faith in him who has set us free. Well, that fighter pilot's not going to go into combat without his helmet. Without the helmet, you can't communicate. In fact, the future airplane, the one that's coming out that we're all going to share, the Navy Air Force Marine Corps, called the F-35. I've been in the simulator. It is unbelievable. The helmet, when you put it on, everything is within the helmet, within the mask. All the information. You don't even look at your dials anymore. Airspeed, altitude, targeting cues, everything is in the helmet. So that airplane can't be flown without a helmet. You wouldn't even pretend to do that. You can't go into combat without the appropriate equipment. And in the spiritual battle that you and I face... Paul talks about the helmet of salvation. That truly is what sets us free. The last thing he says in verse 17 is the sword of the Spirit. Everything we've talked about at this point has kind of been defensive. It's kind of been protective. Ah, the sword. That's a somewhat offensive weapon. Well, the sword of 2,000 years ago was probably one of the, the, the main weapons that they would carry. Uh, our fighter pilot today is probably not carrying a sword. No, he, he's strapping into his F-14 or his F-18 or eventually his F-35 or for me it was the F-16. That's, that was my sword. That's my offensive. But what's my sword as a believer? What is the offensive weapon I have in this spiritual battle that we face today here in America? Paul tells us. It's the Word of God. That's our offensive weapon. You should be in it all the time. I'm glad you're here in church on Sunday morning so we can be in the Word together. That's how we take the offense against Satan against the spiritual forces. We do it with the Word of God. It's interesting Paul wrote that. He says the Word of God. And did the Bible exist when Paul wrote this? No. You know, the Word of God then was was passed person to person. Maybe by letter. We are so blessed today that we have. We have the Word of God. And we can study it and read it. And put it to memory. I'm so glad to see you got a memory verse. You want to be able to fight the battle? And you want to be able to answer the call against Satan? Or that neighbor? Or someone who needs the word? Put the word to memory. What do I say? It will come to you if it's on your heart. Words put to memory will just come out of you. That's how the Lord uses you. 
the Burroughs and the Browns. We, we've traveled together. We've been on mission trip. We just have a wonderful time together. And we go with another couple, the Troxels, Steve and Connie Troxel. He's one of the finest preachers I've ever been around most of my life. He's got more scripture put to memory probably than anybody I know. It's, it just amazes me in just a normal conversation and scripture will come to him because it's, it's memorized. I asked him one time, how'd you do all that? How'd you get so much scripture memorized? He says, well, I didn't necessarily start young, but I just put, decided I would put it to memory. He said, I've had a lot of people tell me, oh, I'm too old to memorize scripture. He said in his church one time he had two little ladies. They were both in early 80s. Oh, I'm too old to quit memory. He said, memorize one verse a day. You'll have the entire New Testament memorized in 21 years. This little lady says, I'm not going to live for 21 years. He said, well, then make it two. <laughs> if you can do two verses, you're going to have it memorized in the... I think it was 11 and a half, 12 years. I'm not sure I'll live that long. They make it three verses a day. You'll have the entire New Testament memorized in seven years. How would you like to have the entire New Testament memorized? So that when someone calls on you or you need a verse, it's there. It just comes out of you. Seven years. Memorize three verses a day. Jesus wept. Well, you got one all there, right there, see? So I'm glad to see it's a, this is a church that's putting the Bible to memory. We all need to do that. We need, need to do more of it. With all prayers and petitions, verse 18, pray at all times and in the Spirit, with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Then he adds a note. And pray on my behalf. The opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. For I'm an ambassador in chains. You know, it still amazes me. Paul in prison, in chains. And he is—he can't help himself. He is so on fire for the Lord. May we all be on fire for the Lord in that form. May we be that way for each other, for our community, for our nation. Because we are. We are a nation at war. And we are fighting for the soul of America in the next few years. God bless you. God bless America. We'd like to shift gears now and go into our communion time. There's two ordinances for the church. This is one of them right here. This is what we have to do. This is what we want to do. And that is to remember 
what Christ has done on our behalf. Remember his death. The other ordinance is baptism. And I want to say it very quickly. Uh, 